This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The trial of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes is underway with jury selection just completed. Opening statement set for next week. Holmes is charged with a dozen federal fraud and conspiracy charges over alleged misleading of investors, doctors, and patients about her company's blood testing machine. And while fraud is the theme of this case, there's another side to this story, the future of the relationship between the healthcare sector and big tech. Rob Burns is a professor of healthcare management with the Wharton School who's uh, taking a deeper look at this, and he joins us to discuss what he is finding out. Rob, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. I am, and thanks for having me back on. Thank you. This is an interesting time, I think, to say the least, for the healthcare sector, especially over the last few years, because of the impact that digital and big tech are having right now. But there are some people out there that that have some concerns about what this relationship is going to look like moving forward, because the dynamics of the two industries at times don't match up. Big tech likes quick, strong advancement. Healthcare, not always that case. Well, it's, it's a culture clash to be sure, you know, and the, the tech culture in Silicon Valley and elsewhere just moves at warp speed and lots of um, funding enthusiasm from venture capital and then private equity uh, and lots of hype, lots of hoopla, lots of uh, uh, exuberance. And then it comes into healthcare looking for, well, here's some virgin turf to apply all of this new cool stuff to. And the question is whether or not um, that stuff fits easily, or as we've just intimated, there's a culture clash, and it's probably deeper than just being a culture clash. But whether or not this stuff is going to work and transform healthcare or conversely, at the extreme, just crash and burn. Yeah, because I think that the concern is is that the the medical industry, as important as it is to our country and obviously countries around the globe, could feel some significant impact to the negative from some of the patterns and methods of the tech sector. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because um, a lot of the stuff in tech. You know, it's based on technology, you know, new cool technology, but healthcare is actually more of a person centric business. I mean, there are no economies of scale in healthcare in most of the sectors because it's so labor intensive, whereas tech's coming at this from a capital intensive stance. And they're thinking, man, if we can just uh, uh, deploy all this capital intensive equipment to a labor-intensive industry will just make it much more productive and efficient and rational and will speed things up. Uh, and that's, that's a huge challenge right there, just bridging that gulf between capital-intensive and labor-intensive sectors. And it breeds a lot of interesting dynamics when these companies come in. And the question is, does that actually help things? And so we actually have a few precursors. You've mentioned Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And just to remind your uh, listeners, Theranos was say, well, we could just take a single drop of blood and do all this diagnostics on it, and you wouldn't have to go to a uh, hospital or outpatient clinic and see a phlebotomist who then, you know, puts the wrap around your arm and then, you know, get 18 
you know, uh, tubes out and then draws yeah. all this blood, each one for a different kind of test. And so it looks like, man, that'd be a huge improvement if we could go from all those tubes to just a single drop of blood. And by the way, you might just get that single drop of blood um, with, you know, extracted at a Walgreens, you know, just walk into your yeah. Walgreens because Walgreens was going to partner with Theranos on all this. Uh, and, you know, eventually, Wal- you know, Walgreens got hosed uh, by this deal. Uh, and so that's that's just the downside for one particular pharmacy chain here. But I think that that downside ratchets through other people, other players in the industry. Another illustration was the electronic medical record. Everybody thought that was or the personal health record. Everybody thought, man, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But then it turns out the rank and file physicians. Yeah. who were asked then, okay, use the electronic medical record, didn't like it, and they rebelled against it. And so then the hospitals had to hire scribes to enter the stuff on the electronic medical record, and so all that substitution of capital for labor just went out, went down the toilet because you had to hire more labor to use the electronic medical record. And it turns out it wasn't just the physicians who disliked it. The patients didn't like it either because – to a person, they will tell you, my doctor never looks at me. So we're obviously could be harming the doctor-patient relationship because a lot of it's based on the exchange of information and the visual cues and uh, things that doctors pick up and talking to patients. And if they're not looking at one another, they may be missing something in the diagnosis. And I would think, Rob, that as well, from the timing element of the healthcare sector in general, and we know that you know, in some cases, you go to a doctor's office, you may be waiting longer than your appointed time to get in to see that doctor be- begin with. Then you throw that dynamic in, and it's it, it becomes a multiplier of problems. Yes, it's a total dissatisfier for the patient. You know, first off, uh, you have to wait to get the appointment. And sometimes it's weeks or months because there's a shortage of some specialties. Yeah. You know, and some practices are all filled up. I mean, good luck trying to find a rheumatologist these days. Uh, I know this from personal experience. And then once you get to the clinic, then you're waiting. And, you know, typically they book patients into these blocks of time. And then you're, you're sitting there for maybe an hour or two. Hopefully you're seen within an hour or two. And then how much time do you get with the, the physician? You know, 15 to 20 minutes if you're fortunate. Uh, unless you got the money to pay for a concierge physician. And then if the, on top of all that, if the physician's not even looking at you, you're wondering just what kind of service am I getting? And so these are dissatisfiers and, you know, we're now collecting data on patients' experience with their, you know, the provision of healthcare. This doesn't promote a favorable experience. Is there a happy medium then between the two of these where, the, the the medical sector can benefit, but the tech sector is not trying to, for lack of a better term, uh, ram it down the throats of the of the medical sector. Well, you know, I think a you know I think a better way to view the tech sector and the healthcare sector is think these these new technologies like, like artificial intelligence and, and things like that they will supplement and complement what a physician's doing, but they're not going to re- place what a physician's doing, and they're not going to transform the healthcare system. They're not going to disrupt the existing delivery system. I'll just give you one other illustration, and that's because it's playing out before our eyes right now, and that's telemedicine. 
everybody thought telemedicine was going to like transform the industry, just like electronic medical records were supposed to 10, 15 years ago. And so that expectation has fueled a lot of venture capital investment uh, and uh, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere to set up these these new virtual healthcare companies. We've now got all these new uh, primary care delivery clinics that are u- relying more and more on virtual visits than actual visits. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, more people expecting that virtual visits will take off and you know the government's going to fund all these things. And so that, that's the expectation from the tech side. And yet, if people would bother to look at the evidence, which doesn't happen very often, unfortunately, but that's our job here at Wharton, and that is virtual visits are on the decline, and they've been declining for some time. And so we have all this money pushing into healthcare to fund these startups, yeah. and yet on, on the on the demand side, you know, it seems to be falling. I mean, it's a it's like two sure. ships passing each other in the night. One's going up, the other's going down. Rob, great to talk with you. Thank you for a few moments. This is certainly going to be an area that will be watched closely in the, in the months and years ahead, so we will stay in touch with you on this. Thank you, sir. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Rob Burns, Professor of Healthcare Management at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.